The following is my conversation with Carl Newport, a uh, respected professor of computer science at Georgetown University. Mm -hmm. In this podcast episode, we discuss shibboleth retrenchment and the limits of mainstream science. So without further ado, I'll let Cal Newport take the stage. This show is possible because of Gleed Cravats. If you're ever in the market for a cravat that's gonna make you look sharp, check out Gleed Cravats. They've got the best design and quality in town and their prices are unbeatable too. Thanks for listening. Now go buy a Gleed Cravat. Hey everyone, this is my conversation with Cal Newport. He's a professor of computer science at Georgetown University, and he recently came out with a book called Shibboleth, The Art of Discursive Reflection. It's been getting a lot of good reviews, so I wanted to have a conversation with him about it. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Carl, first of all, sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. I think we've been swamped lately. So let's talk a bit about Shibboleth. What is it, and how did you come up with the idea? Well, shibboleth is a linguistic term that refers to a distinguishing marker identifier that allows groups of people to identify each other. So it's like a password or a signature or something. Mm -hmm. And I came up with the idea for it while I was writing my book, Code Yourself, The Power of Software Mastery. And what does it have to do with nematology? Well, nematology is the study of nematodes, and I thought it would be interesting to explore how identification markers can be useful in research. For example, sometimes it can be hard to distinguish the mainstream science from the fringe science. With shibboleth, scientists can keep up to date with the latest research in nematology while remaining grounded in real-world application. That makes a lot of sense. So what are some of the limitations of mainstream science? There are always limitations to mainstream science, but one limitation is that it can often be based on assumptions that are not always objectively verified. And another limitation is that it may not be able to address some problems or questions that are important from a societal perspective. But I think these limitations are outweighed by the advantages of mainstream science over fringe science. Okay, so that's definitely worth considering. So what's next for nematology? Well, there's a lot of research ongoing in nematology, so there's always something new to explore. But I think one important direction for future research is to look at ways to use retrenchment to improve our research methods. Retrenchment is a technique that allows us to discard methods or theories that are no longer valid or effective. So by using retrenchment, scientists can improve their overall research process and get better results. That sounds like a really valuable skill to have. So what do you think is the next step for nematology? I think the next step for nematology is to continue exploring how identification markers can be useful in research and to explore ways to use retrenchment to improve our research process. It's a very exciting time for nematologists, and I'm looking forward to seeing what new discoveries they make. Actually, one last question. What do you think about the acceptance of shibboleth by the scientific community? I think shibboleth has been accepted by the scientific community to a certain extent. It's not an indictment of fringe science or anything like that. It's just that shibboleth allows scientists to keep up to date with the latest research in nematology without leaving their real-world applications behind. So I think it's a valuable tool for researchers to have. So what is your opinion on the Watson hegemony? <laughs> and that's an interesting question. I don't really know how to answer that. I think it's really hard to say what Watson's place in the scientific community is. I think some people regard him as a hero and others regard him as a fluke, but I think it's tough to say because there's never been a true comparable case where a machine has performed at such a level nationally against so many competitors. So I guess that depends on your perspective. Thanks for the question. Oh, one more thing. Everybody's been asking about Watson. What do you think about the Watson hegemony? <laughs> I don't really know how to answer that. It's tough to say because there's never been a true comparable case where a machine has performed at such a level nationally against so many competitors. So I guess that stands to reason. Thanks for the question. I have to go. Episode coming to a close soon. See you next time.
Thanks for listening to the Artificial Podcast. Come laugh with us. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a review if you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. I'll end this episode with this poem called Telegraph Poles by Rudyard Kipling. There's no need to say what lies behind the telegraph wires. The impulses are short and clear. And any man may understand. The, the traffic moves along its fast, mysterious course. As men pass up and pass down the wires, none know what moves the machinery, only that it takes the messages and goes.